Have you ever thought about launching an online course? It sounds intimidating, doesn't it? Where to begin? What tech do I need? How much time will it take? How do I market it? And I'm sure that is just the tip of the iceberg in the list of questions that we could potentially have about launching an online course. But you hear about all these influencers creating online courses and making six and seven figures. They, there must be a way to do it. And guess what? There is. And Denise Whiteley is here today to tell us exactly what we need to know to create the course of our dreams and help our ideal clients and make money at the same time. Denise is an online course launch concierge. She is a tech-savvy virtual assistant who can solve most of your tech woes in minutes instead of the hours it takes you. She coaches you through marketing strategies to help you create a course that sells to your ideal audience. She lives in rural Upper Bucks County with her husband and five and a half pound Chawini dog. <laughs> she loves to hike and go to concerts of her favorite musicians. Join me for this episode because I think you're going to find so much value in it and it's going to give you enough information that you're going to be able to start mapping out your online course, creating a process for it, and maybe even launching it on your own. But before you start to listen, grab a notepad and pen because there's so many details. She's going to give us a list of names for systems. She's going to tell us, um, you know, basically all of the, of the items that we need to do in terms of taking action to create an online course. So get your pen and paper and enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. I want to let you know that I am offering clarity and brand marketing strategy sessions so that I can help you with your messaging. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated starting your business and building your brand? Do you feel like you're all over the place with your marketing and messaging and don't know for sure what your brand stands for? Let's do a one hour clarity, confidence, and content session so that you have one cohesive promise, one direct message across all of your platforms. For a limited time, you can have access to this session for $197. Head on over to therobingram.com slash shop to book your session now. I am so excited to help you finally have a clear strategy for your brand. Hello friends, welcome to the second phase podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you're here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Denise Whiteley, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thanks, Robin. It's so great to be here. I'm really excited. Well, I'm happy to have you, and I'm really excited to dive into this topic today. I think a lot of people are curious about online course creation and launching an online course, but it's kind of intimidating. There's so much tech, and I personally think there's a big learning curve, but part of that is because tech intimidates me. So I'm really excited to share your expertise on this topic with my listeners. 
I'm excited to talk about it. I can talk about it off the top of my head. I love all the tech. It doesn't give me a headache. And all my clients say, you, I, I say the word tech and they're like, I have a headache right now. So it's, <laughs> I, I just try to make it done for them. So that's great. We're well, people are blessed to have people like you out there who understand it and can make it easier for us because it's so intimidating. Um, so Denise, before we dive in, will you tell the listeners a little bit about you? You have an interesting journey with your first phase having been in tech, but yet a different type of tech. So I would love for you to tell us like where you started from, you know, when you got your degree, when you started working with your career and how things shifted for you to end up where you are today as an entrepreneur and in business for yourself. So I have a degree in computer science from Lehigh University, and my first job was programming software for the Navy at the base in Warminster. It was Johnsville back then, um, but they, so I was doing battleship group communications, and it was joint force, so it was really interesting so just to, it was all secure. I had a security clearance the whole nine yards, and I actually got to fly on a Chinook 46 helicopter, which is the two-prop helicopter from California, San Diego and land on the Kitty Hawk as it was coming back into the Kitty Hawk's a uh, battleship as it was coming back into port. So it was empty, but the, those ships are huge, but it was just a really exciting thing. And to see the software work on the ship and to help do like, we were fixing bugs. I think it was a long time ago, but so it was, it was interesting. It was fun. It was neat. It was just a highlight. And then I got also got to fly over to the Netherlands and that was in 1990 and fly on a P3C, which is a big Navy plane. Um, it was a simulator and me and the, the guy I was with, like the, he was from the Netherlands, but we flew it and we crashed and it was fun, but we crashed and it was safe. So, but, so then um, when the base closed, the base went on what they call the base realignment and closure um, list. And when the base closed, I took the package because I was nine months pregnant and I raised kids for about 15 years. I tried a couple little jobs in between there, like selling on eBay and that kind of thing. But I guess it was um, about 2008, I took a job running an online store for a nonprofit agency that supports law enforcement officers. And I learned a ton there. The marketing guy there was really good. So I learned a lot about marketing. I already had the tech backgrounds. And then I got laid off. They went to a fulfillment co company because their market was so, it was police officers. That was it, you know, and mm -hmm. military. But, um, so they went to a fulfillment company, which was a better choice for them. And I got laid off. And that's when I started my business. I had read um, about virtual assistant in a virtual assistants in a local um, free publication for women, and then I just had been researching it for like a year, and then I just took the leap because I got laid off. And because I know tech, I've, well, my business has been referrals, and I got my first client about six months after I started, and then it's just been growing ever since. So. So, you know, this is interesting. I, there's a lot of people now jumping into the VA realm. I, I see a lot of people are, you know, that are connecting with me on social media and things like that, as well as I've just read a lot about it. And I'm curious when you, when you started that, like, how did you frame your business and what were your goals as far as assisting other people? Like what types of activities does a VA typically do? So I think there are different types of VAs. So there's some VAs that focus on bookkeeping. There are some VAs that focus on just the basic administration tasks. And there are some VAs that become like operations managers where they oversee the whole thing, but they do a lot of marketing also. And I, I think I focused more on marketing. Um, because the tech comes so easily to me, literally something that takes you an hour or two to do, I can do in 15 minutes, even if I've never been in the tool before. Cause I like that. It's a puzzle to me. I like figuring it out. Like, so that's what I did. I just attended all like webinars seven years ago that people were doing webinars, big online marketers were doing webinars and I attended every free webinar. I signed up for a free MailChimp account and I learned MailChimp. And in my mind, once you're in one email marketing system, you're in all of them. They just have little yeah. nuances, which is fun to learn for me. So, um, and then it just kept going through there. Every new client I had asked me to do something and I'd be like, well, I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. And I did, I didn't necessarily charge them for my learning curve, but I did charge like now I, cause I have so much experience, you know, I charge for my knowledge and my experience, which is, you know, your value grows. So that's, 
So VAs that start out, they might not know much. And depending on their experience, they'll learn what they want to learn. So they'll each niche down to what they're best at, if that makes sense. So that's why, and like I've, I actually have a team of people. So I have three people working for me and I've had people before that too, but there are people that can, you know, like on the, um, I like the disc thing, because um, a friend of ours does the disc thing, but they're different types of people. So some people are more action takers. Mm -hmm. So I know that I work better with people that are action takers that um, think for themselves. So I think for myself, if you don't tell me all the details, I will figure out the details and I'll ask questions too, if I don't know the details. And one thing I notice, like some people I work with, they just do what they are told and then don't ask questions. So then I've had to learn like, okay, don't go back in and change it. Tell them what they did wrong. So it's becoming a leader too. It's It's been a journey. And so tell them what they did wrong and how to fix it. Like, don't be mean about it, but say, well, you need to change this. You need to change that. So mm -hmm. I think okay. it's interesting that you're talking about um, as VAs, they've kind of identified their niche and, you know, you, your niche has become more of the online course realm, which I think is something that so many of us as entrepreneurs, especially creatives, you know, we can come up with all of these ideas, but it's being able to then implement them and, you know, take that action and then makes them an effective product. So as we're talking about the VA services, I think they're so important. And like you said, there are so many things that we as individuals don't have expertise at. And it's really important to identify those things and then let someone else who has those abilities take over and do those things so they don't weigh you down, add additional stress into your business. And take away from your creative process, especially if you're a creative or a service provider, because you have people out there depending on you. But if you're weighing yourself down with these tasks that are, you know, overwhelming or just unbearable to do for you, then absolutely hire a VA and take advantage of their expertise and their skills. Exactly. I mean, for me, for online courses, like my biggest joy is when a client says to me, like, I'm an educator, I'm a teacher. And one client, her face just lit up after her first like lesson that she taught. She's like, this is what I was meant to do. And like helping people because like the people I work with have so much to bring out into the world. Um, they're coaches, they're health coaches, they're life coaches, they're business coaches, but what they do um, or they're marketing coaches but what they do, they can bring to many people instead of one. So it's a really good way to move your business from the one-to-one -one model to the one-to-many model so that you, they can bring in more income. But it also gives them joy because they're helping more people. They're creating a community and like people like being part of a tribe, like naming your tribe, like people like feeling like they belong. So that's what brings me joy is seeing what my clients are creating, especially given like, um, different circumstances or what my clients do. It's like, oh, this is really exciting to learn about what my clients do. I really enjoy that too. Oh yeah. It's, it's a win-win because you're learning yeah. at the same time you're working and giving someone else your expertise. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. And I, I love how you said, um, with online courses, you're taking your message from one to one to one to many and mm -hmm not only does that, like you said, generate additional income and revenue, but it also allows you to touch more lives, serve more people, and then increase your referral source as well. It does. And it frees up your time too. It, it gives, allows you to have more time to spend doing what you want to do. But um, say that last set, sentence again, it went out of my... <laughs> No. Um, oh, I so, was just saying how it's a, it's a win-win because, well, we were talking about how you're learning at the same time, but then the opportunity for people to work not only one-to-one -one when they're doing online courses, but they're now able to do one-to-many, which allows them to have, like you had said earlier, more income and they're serving more people. So they're able to have more joy and more fulfillment because they have a bigger purpose. And then they're also growing their referral source, which is that continued return on investment for investing in an online program. They're growing their referral source also, but a lot, one of the mistakes that a lot of my clients make, they think that they can teach um, A, B, C, D, E, F in one six weeks course. And what they really can teach is 
A and maybe three quarters of B. So they also can create a second course after the first course to upsell them so they can still continue working with the same people. So they still build that long-term relationship with their client, you know, with the same client. So they get to know them, they get to know them in a group community and possibly sell them into one-to-one, -one, you know, if that's the way it progresses. But it does bring them more joy because they're still sharing their expertise at a pace that their students can handle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, they get to keep learning themselves, but they get to keep sharing what they learn with their clients, their students. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, when someone is considering designing an online course, how much time does it take from onset of idea to actual implementation and launch? I'd like at least two months because the first time, like I said, they'll do that iteration. Like I said, they'll do an outline of the course and then we have to walk through paring it down a little bit so that there, and how many coaching calls are going to be in that course and will they really be able to cover all this content or in the rare case that somebody doesn't have enough content, we say, how can we beef, beef that up? And then what you have to do, well, first of all, then it goes into the pricing model. So then what, you know, you have to charge what you're worth. And a lot of people, the pricing is the hardest step for a lot of people. But the number one thing that people need to do before they even think about selling a course is start talking about it with their audience, with their email marketing um, list, with their social media followers and on their business pages, on all the different channels, they need to start talking about it. So their tribe, their followers learn, get to know that something's coming up because people like to help build, help you build, help the coach, the client build, my client to build what they're building their course. Mm -hmm. So if they feel part of it, they're more likely to buy when it does come for sale. So that's, you need to start talking about it in blog posts, on social media posts. A lot of, I suggest this to every single one of my clients is send a survey, send a survey and get, find out what your audience really wants, not what you think they want, because what you think they want is pretty much different than what they really want. So it's a problem solution, problem thing. Your audience, your ideal client has a problem. Find out what that problem is. And you really have to listen um, to do that because if your current clients are saying it your prospective clients are saying it, your social media followers, your email subscribers, they're all saying it too. So if you really listen, then you know exactly what to deliver in the course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point because I think we as experts in our own area think we have all the answers and we do have the answers, but what our audience needs might be slightly different than what we think they need. And I think that's really important to designate that difference. Right. And a lot of, when you're talking about things like um, my level of knowledge about online courses, like I don't, I say something, I assume that my client understands what I said because I have this knowledge, but they don't. And you really have to dumb it down. Mm -hmm. so, and yeah. Because we don't all have the same understanding or the same level of detail in our minds about the same right. subject. Right. So, and I, I mean, I understand a lot about branding, but not as much as you. I understand nothing about photography. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. I know what F-stop is. That's about it. So yeah. 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 We all have our own, our own area of expertise, which is, is a blessing, right? Because if we all did exactly. the same thing, how boring would the light, how boring would life be? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So before we're even going to launch, we've, we've thought about what we're going to create in terms of content. We've surveyed our audience. What's next? What all do we need to think about then to go into the development phase of an online course? So the way I do things, um, I create the sales page first for the course. And this is, I'll try to not talk tech, but once you get the sales page, then you can go into the process of how you're gonna do that launch. And there's a different couple, there's a couple different strategies for launching a course. And one, the most common one that people like to do is a webinar. So if you have the sales page ready, when you do your webinar, then you, you have, you know exactly what to send them to at the end of the webinar. And then you know what to talk about in your webinar. So there's a list of things you need for a sales page and it's basically graphics and copy and the contents of the course and the pricing. And that's 
and social proof. And that's pretty much a, a short list of what you need for the sales page. And then you need to write out all the emails to send to people to get them to sign up for the webinar, to get them the, after the webinar ends, there has to be a series of emails that go out daily, which a lot of my clients are, do we really want to send an email daily? And I'm like, yeah, you kind of do because you're selling. So um, you, you need to write those emails in advance so that once the webinar ends, that's open cart. And then when the closed cart is about seven days later, you're sending out emails reminding people to buy. And you can, or can, like you can send out the replay of the webinar, make that available for a little bit, and um, maybe just to the attendees or to your whole list, but um, or just to the registrants rather, or to your whole list, just to keep, you know, to keep it top of mind that this is available and this is the solution to their problem. So the language has to be always it's the solution to their problem, and that problem is what they told you in the survey. So the webinar starts to solve that problem and then the course really solves the problem. And then, so it's those emails, the sales page, the, you know, you have to set up the webinar obviously in the webinar software and that's pretty much a, a high level overview of everything you need graphics. So it's kind of the funnel. It is. That's the funnel. And I guess you need to set up the course too. The course has to be set up in the learning management system. So there's two different ways you can go with that. Are you ready for me to talk about this or? Yeah. So I do want to ask though first. So when you're talking about a webinar, what do you suggest people use for a webinar? Um, Zoom is my favorite one. Zoom does not do an evergreen webinar. I think they just started to, and I haven't figured it out yet, but um, Zoom gives you all the tools, like the reminders ahead of time. You can have a panelist on to help you watch questions in the chat box that come on, that come through. And it's the most reliable one. In my opinion, I've been in all of them, Webinar Ninja, Ever Webinar. Um, GoToMeeting's really good but also, but it's very expensive. Um, Zoom is affordable. If you're, it's $15 a month just for meeting and you go to webinar, you just pay one month, you pay $40. So it, it's affordable and it's reliable. Mm -hmm. And it has all the tools. You get a report afterwards. Um, I set up something that makes the people that register go into the email marketing system. It's called Zapier. So I use that. So we, we have a way to send them right to your email marketing system. But we also get a report afterwards. So you know who attended, who didn't attend, um, who and how long they stayed. Because if, if you, all the people are dropping off of your webinar at like 20 minutes, then you said something at 20 minutes that just turns people off. And so you can go back and look and say, oh, that's what I said. No wonder they dropped off. So but if most people when, stay, that's, you know, that's good knowledge too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause you need to know if your messaging is on point or not. Right. And when you talked about the evergreen webinar and Zoom may or may not have that, but can you record that? So then you have it and you could save it as a YouTube file or YouTube video, and then you could share it at a later date? Or are there systems in place to make that webinar evergreen, even if Zoom can't do it? Absolutely. You just get okay. people to register through your email marketing system, and then you send out the webinar for them. You put it, you put it private on your YouTube channel. People might come across it, but it's very unlikely. Um, and then you can share it that way. Okay. So there are options there. Yeah. Be prepared to sell at the end of it. So you, if it's an evergreen webinar, you don't get the live Q and a, it mm -hmm. was with a live webinar. So. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point because when you do it live, then you have that ability to answer questions and really sell yourself even more because you're showing more knowledge. You're showing more knowledge. And then I, um, one of my secrets is I plant, we plant questions into the mm -hmm. webinar. Like I'll say, Oh, Sally asked, um, do you allow a payment plan? And we ask about the course. We don't ask questions about whatever my client's expertise is. We ask questions about the course. Do you offer a money back guarantee? Will I learn such and such in this course? So we ask specific questions so people see those answers also. Oh, that's excellent. You're kind of um, tricking the system. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be featured on the second phase podcast? It's super easy. Go to my website, robingrahamphotography.com and select the podcast menu option. And there you can record a voice message. Ask me anything you want related to brand marketing strategy or personal branding. I'll answer your question in an upcoming episode and give you and your business a shout out.
We'll even tag you on Instagram and Facebook. I can't wait to hear your questions. Okay, so now we've talked about the webinar and now we wanna talk about delivering an online course. So there are a couple different ways you can go with that. Um, there's specific tools called a learning management system. And they, those are like Teachable, Teachery, or Thinkific. My favorite is Thinkific. Um, and the only thing it does is deliver the course. It does create the shop, like it does the shopping cart also, but that's all it does is deliver the course. And what they specialize in is making sure like Teachable, for instance, gives a course certificate at the end, but it allows you to drip out the software. Um, I mean, drip out the course, like the different modules of the course and the sub lessons of each module like on a weekly basis, for instance, it allows you to upload recordings. Like if you do a group coaching call, like record the group coaching call and put that up in the learning management system. So it's the only thing it does is deliver your course. It creates the sales page. Like the, it, there's a shopping cart pages, I guess what I would call it. But so that's where people go to actually purchase the course. Mm -hmm. So there's other tools that are called end-to-end -end products, which is like Kajabi or ClickFunnels or Kartra. And they do everything. Like you can actually do a website in Kajabi. You can do, um, your products are in Kajabi. So you can set up the whole sales funnel in, in any of these tools. Um, Kajabi is the one I use most. So that's why I keep saying that. But you can set up the sales funnel. You can put your products in there. There's, you can actually do email marketing in there also. But it does everything. So it does email marketing. It can put you, you can put your course in there and deliver your course through the end to end product. So it does a whole bunch of things, but it doesn't do them as deeply as the learning management system. If you're just starting out, Kajabi is a good, uh, a, a good place to start because it does do so much and it's about the same price as Thinkific. As you grow and you go, you can go into Thinkific um, or Teachable and those are my two favorites because then you'll look more professional because you're it's it delivers what it delivers and what it does is it just does one thing and it does it better than an n10 product which does a whole bunch of different things mm -hmm. and can you customize those like teachable and thinkific to make it look like your website yep oh yep. that's nice so then it it stays on brand for you yeah it doesn't it doesn't have um you have to set up the domain you have to point the domain to the Kajabi domain or the Thinkific domain in this case. So it looks like, um, you know, denisewhitely.com slash launch course or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it is. So. Okay. That's, that's nice. That's a, that's a great option. I think it's important for people when they're representing themselves online, especially if you're going to be doing an online course, you want to be on brand so that you can t continue to look like the expert in your space. Exactly. It yeah. helps you look more professional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So these learning management systems. So we'll talk about Thinkific and Teachable. So basically we create the course, we create the content, we upload it into this system. And then the system, I guess we schedule the delivery of the modules and we can also interact with our clients within the modules and or within the system related to the modules. Is you can, there's comments. You can, they allow comments beneath, like, uh, like say one of your lessons is a video. And then in the video, like what Jeff Walker does, for instance, he says, leave comments below. So he encourages people to interact within the learning management system that he uses. And, or, and you can do that in Thinkific and Teachable also, like add the comments there. So people put comments there and people are not going to, your students are going to hang out most of my clients, let me backtrack a second. Most of my clients are women and like older women and older women hang out on Facebook. So they're more likely to hang out in a group on Facebook. So I don't suggest putting comments inside of um, like Thinkific or Teachable because people aren't going to hang out there. They're going to mm -hmm. look more towards where can I interact with people? So, okay. I was going to ask that as my next question, because I was thinking to myself, it, how personable can you make this, you know, that there are yeah. comments there. So I think that's really important to know that when you're creating an online course, you also want to create a place like a Facebook group where people can go and they can interact. They can almost network with each other. Exactly. They can be accountable to each other as well as almost become or really 
and truly become referral sources for each other as well as they observe each other growing into their own specific niche and expertise. Exactly. And when you do the group coaching calls, depending on how big your the class size is, um, you can do them on on Zoom as a meeting. So then people get to see face to face and you as the host, you can control, like you can mute everybody or unmute people. So they're still interacting because they see face to face. If it's not more than like, you don't want it too big. If it's like hundred people, that's just too much. But if it's like 20 people, that's great. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that was my next question then. Do you have a, a size recommendation for online courses? Say, say you're doing this for the very first time. Is it course dependent in terms of how much information you're putting out and the complexity of the course as to how many people you have coming in, or is it whether or not you as a, as an individual can handle more people in your course at one time? So it's all going to depend on the size of your email list. So the, the number one thing you always need to be doing is growing your email list. You'll always need to be getting new subscribers because you own your list and that's going to, the size of your list. And if you're, sharing content with them at least weekly so they know you and they tr they know like and trust you then they're more likely to buy and as i said you have to deliver what they want not what you think they want so the, um so if you have to have a list of at least like three to five hundred to start and the first time you sell there's a lot of other factors that go into it but first the first time you sell you may not sell that many but depending on how, like the strategy you use, your audience, how responsive they are, like there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it. That's a good place for you to get your feet wet and to, if this is the first time you're launching it, and understand everything that goes into a launch and then you relaunch. So you, you put, it's an expense to set it up the first time, but you can relaunch again and again and again. So like two or three times a year, I have one client that launches five times a year and literally we just have a checklist of everything that needs to be done. It's three different courses, but they're they're launched a total of five times, you know, total. So, um, and it's just a checklist, but you launch again. And as you launch, you know what, you get feedback from your first set of students as to what to include, what not to include, what helped, what didn't help. So your course gets better and better. You raise your price and you sell more each time you launch because you can um, hone down your messaging and really deliver what people want. And you grow, you're growing your list the whole time. And like you said, there's referrals from current students and mm -hmm. you can offer affiliate programs to say, if you refer somebody, then you give them a, a bonus for referring somebody. So you have other avenues to sell to a larger audience. Mm -hmm. And you also get testimonials from those original Absolutely. students, which then validates the, the value of your program. Right. And the first time you sell it, you can create it the first time you sell it, like you sell it. And then you create those coaching calls the first time. So you, it's not like you have to create it all ahead of time. So after each coach, like, I'm sorry, each module. So you do your teaching module and then you survey right away after each module and mm -hmm. say, what well, was that helpful? Not helpful. What? And then your next time you launch, you have a better course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can document takeaways from each participant exactly. and then those become your key messages for marketing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I love all this. This is such valuable information because um, it's overwhelming when you think about it. And, you know, you you've said a lot just in this short amount of time. And there are a lot of systems to consider as well. And the one thing you mentioned was Zapier. And I would love for you to explain a little bit about Zapier and how that works and what the uses of that are. I know it connects one platform to another and basically sends that information from one place to another place, like your, your website to your email or, or whatever the case may be. But will you just explain a little bit about that? Because I know my explanation is not doing it any justice. So it's basically an API and I have no idea what API stands for application programming interface or something like that. Um, but what it does, so say you have, I'm just trying to think of a good example. Um, it makes two systems talk. So say you have um, a person over here who speaks Spanish and you have a person over here who speaks English and you use Google Translator mm -hmm. to make that to, so you can understand each other. That's what Zapier does. It makes the email marketing system talk 
in the same language to Zoom, for instance, so that they can talk and share information and get the answers they each need. So if a registrant in Zoom, if somebody registers for your webinar in Zoom, then Zoom can talk to the email marketing system, which Active Campaign, for instance, um, and send it the right email, at, like send the email address and send the first name. So now you have a new subscriber to your list and you can send that they attended this webinar. So you can, for lack of a better term, tag them. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what it's called. You can tag them so you have information about them. That's what Zapier does for you. It just okay. I send things to different programs and make them talk the same language. It's an interface in a nutshell. Okay. And then you mentioned Active Campaign. You mentioned MailChimp. Those are just two of the options you have as far as email marketing management systems, I guess you'd call them. What are the other options? So a lot of people start with MailChimp because it's free and MailChimp is great, but it doesn't grow as well with your business. Active Campaign is when you're starting out is $9 a month and it will grow with your business. The other option is ConvertKit and ConvertKit, they offer a free um, month or two now. Uh, and they, again, it'll grow with your business. It has in my world, like one of the first things you learn as a programmer is if then else, and this is applies to anything in life. If um, my husband decides he wants beef for dinner, then I'm cooking beef stew. Otherwise I'm cooking lasagna with Turkey, you, you mm -hmm. know, so that's, so that's, that's what active campaign and convert kit allow you to do. MailChimp doesn't do that as well. Um, Aweber is an option. They're in Chalfont, which is very close to both you and I, and they're very good. They're better than MailChimp, but they were trying to, in my opinion, they were trying to catch up to what ConvertKit and ActiveCampaign um, do, and they, they've done a real, they've done a pretty good job, but I don't think they're as functional as ActiveCampaign and ConvertKit. So my, okay. the, I prefer ActiveCampaign and ConvertKit. Constant contact, in my experience, nickels and dimes you. The few times I've been in it, like that's what a lot of people, like that's the first one I think that ever came out. And so people went there, but that, the few times I've been in it, they're like, oh, you have to pay more for this. Oh, you have to pay more for that. So they just nickel and dime you. Yeah, that's no fun. No, it's not. <laughs> Those surprise bills every now and then are not welcome in my inbox. <laughs> And if you go to my website on my resources page, like I have affiliate links just so you know to Active Campaign and ConvertKit. So. Oh, that's awesome. I think I actually have Active Campaign as well you as do. an affiliate on my website. Yeah. I think um, it's your Active Campaign link on my website. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't even mention that before, but Denise has been working with me for a couple of years now. And she has been like my right hand in terms of all of my online tech courses, everything. So I, I can vouch for her expertise and say she does a phenomenal job behind the scenes and she's very, very thorough. And one thing that as we were talking about VAs earlier that we didn't really dive into, but to have someone when you're looking for an assistant or someone to help you, you want someone that is going to guide you and teach you at the same time as do the tasks for you so that you understand in your business what's going on. Because if that person leaves you or you know, moves away or whatever, you need to understand what the processes are that this person has been implementing. You need to understand the back end of whatever mm -hmm. task that person was doing for you. So Denise has done a really good job of that with me because I know I can go into our system we use for communicating, which is Asana, and I can find mapped out for me all the processes she's used so that if I needed to replicate that, I could replicate that. And that was one of the things I wanted to really highlight here in this episode is that all of this creation for an online course is a process. And if you document it and keep a record of each one of those steps, the next time you go to roll it out, it's easy. It's just a checklist, like you said, for your client that does this every three or three to five times a year, then you can do it with ease. So th that process mapping is really, really important for any business. Mm -hmm. I and have then, a for that too. It's called Loom, not Zoom. It's called Loom. And it records your screen and you can walk through what to do. 
like how things work so that you remember from time to time. So you just do it one time. And I mean, the documents are good too. The word documents are good too, but this is much quicker. So that's my new toy. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that's good to know too. As we, as we proceed and we start creating more online courses, then we know we can do that. Yeah. Um, okay. So one last question, because measuring outcomes is so important. We need to know, were our customers satisfied? Did we do a good job? But what is the return on investment on this program that I just launched? Because you have to invest in the webinar. You have to invest in, you know, the tech and the tools. And, and it's a big time commitment to, to launch one of these courses. Do you have suggestions on what happens after launch? What happens after the course has been run? And how do we measure that success? or lack thereof? So um, the first time based on like purchasing the tools, paying to, you know, paying for my services to set up the tech for you. The first time you launch, you may not recoup all that. Um, you will recoup it as you launch a second or third time, th those costs. Um, the way we measure these things are, you look in your email marketing system and you watch how many open rates there are, what your open rate is, how many people have clicked through all the email marketing systems track clicks. So you can see what they clicked on. If you go into an individual subscriber in an email marketing system, it's a little bit scary what they know about you. They know your IP address. They know roughly where you're located. They can figure out whether you're male or female. They know what device you're using. They know what uh, um, browser you're using, whether you're on mobile, not on mobile. Like They know a lot about you. So they track the, cl the clicks that you do. So you can find your warm subscribers in your email marketing system. So that's one way to track. You can track if people clicked on the link to your sales page and then they abandon the sales page. There's a tool you can use if it's a WordPress website um, called Hotjar and you can see how far they get down on a sales page and why they're not clicking through to purchase the purchase your course. And then you can make changes there, whether it's a graphic or whether it's it's language. There's, um, I saw a guy, Ollie Gardner speak through AWeber. They had a conference down in Philly a few years ago. And that's all he does is just watch what makes people convert to buy your product. And it's, it's interesting, just the little things like the color of the button, the text on the button, how much white space is around the button. So that's another way to track, like see, okay, while you're launching, that's why you're launching. And then after the launch, you can see like the webinar, Zoom gives you information. How far did they stay in the webinar? Did they stay for the whole thing? Did you offer a coupon at the end? Like stay until the end. Amy Porterfield does this all the time. Stay until the end and I have something special for you. And that could be a coupon. It could be that one little, she always delivers that value bomb in every single web webinar. Um, mm -hmm. She delivers a value bomb. So it's waiting for that one value bomb from her. Um, those kind of, that's what you see is working or not working. So if people are dropping off at 30 minutes and it's not your language, then make sure you say, stay until the end. I have something special for you. That might encourage people to stay to the end. Or, you know, the other trick is they wait to get the replay and just fast forward. So <laughs> you say, but in that point you say, okay, as long as you were on the webinar, then this coupon is good for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so you just track the response rate and your success rate is basically the testimonials after you've run the program. Right. Right. And then you see, you make changes the second time you launch, like you plan to launch in, again in like three to four months and you make changes, whether it's to copy, whether it's, you know, your webinar title, there's a whole bunch of different things you can change. So the graphics, whether they're on brand or not, the copy, the webinar and see what if it works better the second time and it should because you've had the testimonials you have the feedback and you can see from these different metrics you can see where they dropped off or you just look at the whole big picture of everything mm -hmm. yeah okay that those are great tips now what mistakes have you seen people make that you do not recommend we make when we go to launch an online course um i've had people call me and say i have a list of 300 i want to launch in a month and inside I'm laughing, I'm saying good luck with that. So the number one thing people make is they're not creating content regularly and they expect to sell and their audience hasn't heard from them in months, you know, or like every six months they might throw out an email newsletter. 
Um, so that's number one. Number two, like I said, they deliver what they think their audience wants rather than what their audience truly does want. They don't ask their audience. And number three is, I said something earlier and I can't remember what it was now. So, but number three, the, the content, like just teaching your audience to buy. Like you can have that um, low barrier to entry product that costs like $7 or $49 so that they start to buy one thing from you and then they say, oh, wow, this was really good. I, if this is cost this much or if this was free, imagine what's in her paid course. So, so they get the, to know that, they get to know, like, and trust you. They get to know that you're the expert. So, and being on brand, I guess, too, if, as long as we're talking to you. Being on brand, people have to know, like, everybody recognizes Coca-Cola and Nike. Make sure they recognize you, that they, your colors, your headshot is, I think you told me this, the headshot is the same across all your social media channels and on your website. Mm -hmm. So they recognize you and see you as the same consistent, reliable, trustworthy person. Yeah, that's so important. And I, I think as you're, as you're talking about all of this, there's one thing that has been consistent throughout all of your message, and it's building that relationship with your audience, with those people that have given you their email address, know that they want to hear from you, and that the more they hear from you, the more they're going to like you and trust you and buy from you. They're not going to buy from you if they don't know you and right. if they don't trust you. So that's, I think, using that email list as a resource to build your community is so important because that's the community that's going to ultimately buy from you. Exactly. And they're going to be the ones that tell their friends about you also. Okay. So Denise, in summary, let's just make a list of the programs or resources that people can look at or need to check into or invest in or subscribe to in order to launch an online course? Number one is an email marketing system. And we talked about that is active campaign or convert kit are my two favorites. So that's number one. Number two is if they have a WordPress website, you can do like the sales page on a WordPress website. So they don't really need something like lead pages or, or an, an external program for that. Um, you need a learning management system. So something like Thinkific or Teachable. You need Zapier. Chances are you won't need the paid version of Zapier, but you might. You need your social media channels. You need to be prepared to like write blogs on your website and post on social media channels. Um, I use I use JotForm for surveys. I've also used Google Forms for surveys. They work well. That works well. Um, what else do I use? Zoom. Zoom for webinars and for delivering the class. And hold on, I have to bring this up in Asana and I'll tell you the rest of the list. So, well, I think you've covered them all. The, the, so. the LMS learning management systems were Thinkific and Teachable. And then you also had the end to end products, which were Kajabi and ClickFunnels. Right. There's, if you're going to use an, an end to end product, that's, I'd recommend them. I still recommend an email marketing system outside of Kajabi um, because you can do more with it. Mm -hmm. And again, it connects right. A lot of these systems connect right with the email marketing system, like a WordPress website. There's a plugin to connect to Active Campaign or ConvertKit. And Kajabi does the same thing with Active Campaign. It con connects right to it without using Zapier. Mm -hmm. Tools used, let's see. Webinars, website. Um, if you're going to do a landing page or sales page outside of WordPress and you're not using Kajabi, then lead pages. Um, the shopping cart is going to integrate with within your learning management system, but PayPal or Stripe are usually the most popular ones. Shop, Samcart and Shopify or WooCommerce. A lot of people need a time scheduling software like Calendly is my favorite one for that. Oh, I love Calendly. And it does. It actually will, when it's scheduled, it'll send out the Zoom link. It'll send out reminders. It's, it's fabulous. I love Calendly. Exactly. And then um, for me, I use for project management, I use Asana. We talked about that. And if you need like an uh, online signature program, I recommend HelloSign. Yeah. And I think that's another um, thing. That's a whole different episode, I think, is the having contracts for the the courses or working with clients that 
yeah. where hello sign is especially important, but, um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Denise, this has been fabulous. I'm so grateful that you took the time to be here and explain all of this to us. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the nice things you said about me. I'm touched. So this was <laughs> a lot of fun. I really enjoyed, I love talking about this. I really enjoyed it. And you asked really intelligent questions. So thank you. Well, good. Thank you. And do you mentioned earlier that you have a little treat for our listeners if they are interested in downloading it? So if you go to denisewhitely.com slash launch, and the link will be in the show notes because you, Denise is D-E-N-I-C-E, and then whitely is W-H-I-T-E-L-E-Y.com, and then slash launch. And I'm going to talk about the three things people do wrong when they launch, and I'll go into a little bit more depth than that. So that'll be a great resource for everyone to download. And I'm sure you, she will have a plethora of information there because she's very thorough. So um, go to her website and download that, denisewhitely.com forward slash launch. And we look forward to hearing from you and learning what online courses you have been dreaming of creating and <laughs> are now inspired to do it. So thanks, Denise. Thank you, Robin. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.